name is Martin Stephen. 53 years ago, I was hauled out of the sea by the Dunbar lifeboat and allowed to lead a wonderful, lucky life as solely as a result of the heroism and the courage and the bravery and the decency of the crew of the Dunbar lifeboat. I owe them everything. When I jumped into the sea to try and rescue David Jeffrey, all I ever wanted to be was a writer, and as far as I knew, I was headed towards being a university lecturer and researcher. Uh, when I came out of the sea, I realized that the only thing really that you leave after you, when you die, because I thought I was going to die in the sea, the only thing you leave after you is actually the memories that other people have of you. And I began seriously to think about going into school teaching in the hope that I might make a real difference to somebody's life. Not quite perhaps dramatically, as dramatically as the way that David Brunton, the lifeboat man who dived overboard to rescue me, made a difference to my life, um, but along those lines. And as a result, I became a school teacher uh, and was lucky enough to become head of three of the highest achieving independent schools in the United Kingdom, the Perth School in Cambridge, and High Master of the Manchester Grammar School and High Master of St Paul's School in London, uh, and was ahead for over 24 years. Hugely enjoyable, hugely rewarding, and all because one brave man decided to jump overboard to haul me out of the North Sea. I had virtually been brought up by my Scottish family and my cousin Maeve, who was kind of my honorary mother, and I had been uh, spending as much time as I could in the family farmhouse, Beale Grange, uh, East Linton, just near Dunbar, and I'd been going there for as long as I could remember and was very fond of and very close to Maeve's four, four children. And one of the things that we had done many, many times was when there was a gale force wind blowing, uh, I would take one or more of the children down to Dunbar Harbour to watch the very dramatic sight of the waves crashing against the rocks. And on December the 23rd, um, there was a Force 10 gale blowing, and I took the eldest boy, Angus, and his younger brother, Davy, who was, I think, 11 at the time, down to Dunbar Harbour. We walked to the edge of the harbour, uh, as I'd done countless times before, and I looked down into the sea and I saw Davy floating head down in the water. Um, I didn't have much time to think. Um, I threw off my jacket um, and obviously took off my Wellington boots. A um, little bit awkward as I dived in because I bounced off one of the rocks, but I was a strong enough swimmer to reach Davy. Um, I reached him. I didn't realize at the time that he was almost certainly dead. A freak wave had come and hit him and smashed him against the rock and actually broken his neck. Um, I didn't know that as far as I was concerned, he was alive. I had hold of him for I don't know, about sort of 10 minutes, and I was holding him in the standard rescue position, but I was being knocked under by these huge waves. There was a 10, 12-foot swell, 
And of course, every time I got knocked under, I was dragging David along with me. And I thought, if he is breathing, this isn't actually doing him any good. And then a huge wave came along and I just kept on going down and down and down. And I thought, this is daft. He was being kept afloat because he had a, a sort of nylon quilted anorak on and it was acting kind of kind of as a life jacket. So I thought, it's absolutely stupid um, dragging this child along with me. So as I went down, I thought for the last time, I, I actually pushed him up. Uh, I did surface again some while later and there was absolutely no sign of him. And I had about, I suppose, probably a, another, I don't know, eight to ten minutes swimming in the sea. As far as I was concerned, I had completely forgotten about Angus, the older boy. And as far as I was concerned, I was ab absolutely dead. Um, there was a very strong current there. Um, and I was swimming and just about staying in the same place, but, but no way I could reach the shore. Even, even if I could have reached the shore, it was very sharp rocks and I could feel the hypothermia starting at my feet. Um, and I had about sort of 10 minutes absolutely, totally convinced that to all intents and purposes, I was dead. In fact, what I hadn't focused on was that Angus, the elder boy, had run and fetched the Coast Guard. Um, and um, the plain truth of it is, I owe my life to a number of people, uh, primarily to David Brunton uh, and the other people on the lifeboat who, who helped me out of the sea, but also to Angus. Um, and as a result, I now still have an extremely close relationship with Angus. Anyway, um, as the lifeboat approached me in the sea, I sank and by this time it was getting quite dark and a man called David Brunton, who wasn't even a member of the lifeboat crew, he was a um, local fisherman who'd, who'd been doing some repair work on his boat and frequently joined the lifeboat crew when they were short and he was asked to come on board. Um, he wasn't a good swimmer. They caught sight of um, me face down in the water according to the coast guard i'd been face down for seven minutes i think and i was wearing an extremely bright blue marks and spencer shirt and as the lifeboat came near i sank so david brunton dived overboard in what was almost the pitch black in the um, and for some reason actually grabbed my hair he couldn't see me but but underwater he grabbed my hair hauled me up um, the waves were so rough and it was so cold that he was really struggling and another lifeboatman came overboard to help him in. They hauled me up on, onto the deck of the Margaret, I think the lifeboat was called, and gave me artificial resuscitation. The retired GP for Dunbar was waiting on the quayside uh, because the actual GP, I think, was away in the hills on a confinement and she had her ancient Gladstone bag and in it were two ampules of a drug that had long since been banned. It's a drug to revive drowning electric shock victims and it gives a massive kick to the nervous system. The trouble was that it gave such a massive kick to the nervous system that it gave people a brain hemorrhage. So it, it had been banned for years, but it was all she had. So if she pumped one ampule of this into me, there was no reaction. She pumped the second ampule into me and I rewarded her by being sick all over her. Uh, and later I said, uh, why did you give me a double lethal overdose? And she said charmingly, oh, well, dear, you were dead already, so I couldn't have killed you twice over. 
I got rushed into Edinburgh Royal Hospital and it all got a bit dramatic because Jenny was told first of all I think that I died then that um, they were going to have to operate me on a ruptured spleen but I was so weak that if they operated on my ruptured spleen I would die but if they didn't operate for me, I would also die. So Jenny came up and paced up and down outside the ward for about 20 minutes in the morning, convinced that when she came in, she would see an empty bed. And eventually one of the nurses came out and said, oh, you must be Jenny. Uh, do come in and see Martin. He's looking forward to seeing you. Um, and there I was. I was, I was ill for about three months afterwards I had an abscess on my lung but but was fine but of course the interesting thing about these situations isn't actually the physical damage it is um, the mental damage as far as I'm concerned I had been responsible for Davy. I was the adult in charge uh, and um, I kept on asking in the ambulance you know is Davy all right did they find Davy and of course people trying to be nice they wouldn't act actually tell me and um, it was the psychological thing that was a hard thing uh, coping with the fact that, that I was responsible for um, somebody who was effectively my younger brother um, and that's the cross uh, I suppose that I've had to bear for 50, 53, 54 years now but there we are but as I said I had this amazingly successful life, happy life um, and um, five love, lovely grandchildren, all of whom, as I would say, wouldn't I, as any grandfather, are going to do marvellous things for the world. And all down to the Royal National Lifeboat Institution. One of the great sadnesses of my life is that I never met David Brunton because I was too ill. Uh, I was ill for about three months. What I did do was on the 50th anniversary of my being rescued, I wrote to the coxswain of the Dunbar lifeboat just to say thank you, basically, and to say, I suppose, this is what you did. You made my whole life possible. And through that, I have been in contact and have met David Brunton's son. And uh, next time when I'm in Dunbar, we'll buy a drink for as many of the lifeboat men as I can. I am Ella Dubroy. I am crew at Chiswick Lifeboat. If you want to hear more stories from the RNLI's 200 Voices collection, then head to rnli.org forward slash 200 voices or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. 200 Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.